Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast, a place where we celebrate, connect, and develop every woman in her leadership journey. Thanks for coming along. So I'm glad you've joined me today for this podcast. We're going to do a little, something a little bit different. Usually I have a guest with me, but today I'm just going to be talking to you about something that's near and dear to my heart. It's the necessity for mentoring next generation female leaders. When I was in grad school, I did my um, field research project on this. So I have tons of notes and things, but also it comes from a place of personal experience for me, my lack of a mentor in the years that it probably would have really mattered to me and just kind of floundering in my leadership journey and influence of life. Um, And so for me, when um, I went back to school and was doing my master's degree in leadership, I wanted to concentrate on um, the pros and the cons and the necessity of mentoring this next generation of female leaders. I see myself as a bridge builder. I don't know if any of you out there can... um, can kind of raise your hand to that and you see yourself as a bridge builder as well but you know all of us are in between generations there's a generation that's gone before you there's a generation coming after you it doesn't matter our age we are all sandwiched and we are bridge builders between those generations sometimes I feel like you know my mom's generation I'm holding a hand out to her and then my daughter's generation I'm holding a hand out to them And I just want to do it well, and I want to bring those alongside me, the older and the younger. Uh, I think God calls us as leaders. I don't think I know God calls us as leaders to finish well and multiply. Uh, The Paul and Timothy model really confirms that the the spiritual leader's job is to recognize the calling in others and help those individuals to go Um, you know, from where they are to where God intends for them to be. So think about that today. Where are you and where does God intend for you to be? I'm always saying to my Collective Journey girls, the girls that I'm mentoring, that God just wants us to be a better version of ourselves. But we can't do that alone. And the Paul and Timothy model here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 Um, As I research this, it gives you four foundations for leadership development and that sustainability um, for us to go to where that place of flourishing is in our life and leadership. And there are four things we see here, core self, that, um, that soul, the inner person, knowing the power of personal story. You know, Timothy, um, Paul says, I remember your mother, your grandmother. In other words, those roots, that culture, that history, where you've come from. And it was important for Paul to mention for some reason, because I think where we come from and where we're going is uniquely tied together. So they talk about personal story here. And then Paul talks to Timothy about recognizing and cultivating calling and skills. He says, fan the flame, Timothy, that's in you, that was put in you at this time and cultivate the gifts that God has given to you. And then develop a healthy network and community. We see here in um, in this scripture in 2 Timothy, Paul is in prison And he's writing to Timothy kind of as his last will and testament. 
And he's saying to Timothy in the last part of uh, verses 16, 17, and 18 of 2 Timothy 1, he's saying, you know, here's certain people, and he starts to list them out who didn't forsake me when I was put into prison. They still came and gave me a coat. They still came and gave me a meal. And we find in our leadership and life journey that community and networking is a powerful thing, especially for female leaders, especially for female leaders. So both the mentor and the mentee here have a significant task of developing and maturing as leaders. We often think as the mentor that uh, we don't have to mature anymore. But, you know, I'm on this continual learning thing as a leader, and it's really, really important for us to be reading, to be studying, to be going back to school, and to be learning and flourishing and being the best version of ourselves that we can be. And for both the mentor and the mentee, we come alongside each other to develop and mature. I come into that relationship thinking, not that I'm going to, as a mentor, tell the mentee, all of my wisdom, but I'm also going to learn from her as well. And that's important. I love this quote. It says, when Christ calls leaders to Christian maturity, he intends to develop them to their full potential. Each of us in leadership is responsible to continue developing in accordance with God's processing all our life. Unless we experience God's ongoing development, will not be able to help others develop their leadership capacity. That quote comes from Randy Reese and Robert Lone in uh, a book called Deep Mentoring, which is one of my favorites. So in other words, when leaders take the journey to grow into maturity and fulfill the calling God has on their lives, then reciprocal mentoring undoubtedly occurs. Um, the call to maturity and continued development is a crucial point to personal wholeness in the leader's life. It profoundly impacts our ability to lead well and ultimately lead the generation coming from behind. So when we allow reciprocal mentoring, when I'm mentoring but I'm allowing myself to be mentored as a leader, I'm creating a pipeline and, a, and abundance of leaders in the field. I'm not saying I know it all. I'm saying when I come together and network and relationship, I have so much to learn myself. Cheryl Sandberg, who's the chief operating officer of Facebook, she said that the positive, there's a positive power in reciprocal mentoring relationships. She says this, and I quote from Cheryl Sandberg, sociologists and psychologists have long observed our deep desire to participate in reciprocal behavior. The fact that humans feel obligated to return favors has been documented in virtually all societies and underpins all kinds of social relationships. Sandberg goes on to say that the mentor-mentee relationship is no exception. When done right, everybody flourishes. There's that word again, flourishes. God wants us to flourish. He wants us to be a better version of ourselves in life and leadership. And even the outside of the, the biblical, uh, the word of God, outside of Christian influence, even other CEOs and COOs of companies, female leaders, notice the value of reciprocal mentoring. 
It's something we have to cultivate in our life if we want to go to the next level as leaders. That's what we have to do. Um, in his book, The Leadership Managerial Bible, Jeffrey McGee says that reciprocal or reverse mentoring, he calls it, um, impacts another's life. He said, now the person who was mentored pays the favor forward to someone else. The person being mentored now becomes the mentor and starts the cycle process all over. Wow, that's really cool. Thinking about that today, wherever you are, you might be exercising, riding in your car, listening to me, but reverse mentoring remains critically important in creating a next generation leadership pipeline. I'll say it again. We need to be involved in one another's lives through mentoring, giving wisdom, spiritual fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters um, in, the, in the pipeline so that we can have this next generation leading well. I talked a little bit about these four foundations of a leader that we see in the um, Second Timothy uh, model here in chapter 1. And I just want to bring those out a little bit further to you. Um, personal leadership development is a key cog in the wheel for us in developing our leadership. What do I mean by that? That's core self. That's the inner man. You know, we can, we can create um, a false self that everybody sees, this persona as leaders that we put on when we're in a group of people or we're um, communicating on the platform. But the real you is the person that um, is you in private, your thought life, your heart intentions. And oftentimes that part of the leader is, is neglected. And what we see a lot of times is this, uh, this thing that happens to our leadership where we're just done spinning the plates and there's no congruency in the inside life and the outside life that everybody sees. And a pivotal foundation for leadership whether it's male or female, is core self. It's this inner man being protected, being taken care of, so that what's flowing out of our outward leadership, our mouth and those things, are congruent with what's inside of us. The second foundation we see here is the power of our story, which we call communion in the collective journey. And the power of story is just basically saying it's important for me to know where I've come from and what has developed me uh, and where I'm going as well. Skill sets, that's calling. Uh, what has God designed you to do? You know, what I do and what you do is completely different because we're completely different people. So as leaders, when we come around the table, the leadership table, our skill sets around the table should all be different. We should all be contributing out of the design that God has uniquely given to each one of us. And then the last one of the four foundations is community. And it's, it's powerful and probably one of the most important is just developing a sustainable network. So these, these are characterized by either your inward focus or your outer focus, inner focus being core self, 
communion, the power of your story, and then the outer focus, the things people see, your community, your skill sets, your calling. Um, you know, our outer self is the public visible me, my accomplishments, my work, my reputation lie there. But my inner life is where my secret thoughts and hopes and wishes live. And because my inner life is invisible, it's the part I can neglect often if I'm not careful because it's the part that has direct access to it. So it doesn't have any direct access to it from anyone else. It's personal to me. And so therefore it wins no applause. Um, and oftentimes as leaders, we want you know, we want to win the applause and have the status quo and be prepping that next message or that next place we're going to speak, that great leadership message. But those are the places that are going to give us applause. But this inner man is important. This invisible place is important to sustainability, to longevity, to being able to come alongside a next generation and create the pipeline that's necessary to build the church. Um, so through the, though these mentoring relationships and creating leadership pipelines really do remain essential for building the church and spreading the gospel, we have some barriers that exist when it comes to implementing these tools for women leaders, um, especially as it pertains to the church and the workplace. Um, you just got to go on Twitter a little bit and see the backlash that's still there over books that are being written by why women are allowed to be in leadership, why we stand equally with our men co counterparts. And so there's still some things in the church and the workplace that women have to overcome. And when ministry or leadership teams form, we see that there are individual members of the group that bring with them their own cultural biases, norms, their values, customs, historical narratives, behavior patterns. And when we're sitting around the table as a collective group with men and women leaders, we're sitting there with men and women who have come in with their own biases toward whether or not mixed genders should even be at the table and how we lead differently. But as it pertains to women and men in a given environment, individuals may differ on what they deem natural for the roles of men and women. So this is important for us to remember when we're coming alongside each other in this. Questions can help reveal various factors that, that help us to talk to people we work with, our counterparts, and ask them, say, well, how did your father view women in leadership? How did your mother view women in leadership? Did you see women actively taking leadership roles in your church or community? Um, differing answers to these questions often result in different viewpoints on the roles of men and women in society and in leadership. I love this article, uh, What Happens When We See Women Teach the Bible by Sharon Hode Miller. She explains in this article that as a college student, she says, um, I was confused about the church. Women that I saw um, in any type of role in the church, it was usually occupied in, an, in administrative positions. Um, she said even in her college uh, parachurch organization, we rarely had a woman speak. 
Given the scarcity of female role models, I wasn't sure where to turn. She even notes in this article that it wasn't until she attended a passion conference in Atlanta where Beth Moore took the stage, and she says, and I quote Sharon on this, she says, Beth spoke with power, competency, conviction, and most of all, the anointing. She said that she, when she listened to Beth at the Passion Conference, it was that moment when she saw a woman on the platform communicating that way that she realized her own potential and calling. And it was after that experience that Sharon decided, like gave herself permission basically to start her journey of earning a Master's of Divinity, a PhD, so that she could equip herself for writing and speaking. Another example I love of this is Lori O'Day, who was actually a professor of mine at AGTS. And she said the same thing in an article that she wrote, uh, that um, we have to model leadership to others, and we have to use women to do that. She said that she was preaching at a girls' retreat, and a counselor, as she gave the altar call, Lori gave the altar call, a counselor was drawn to a little girl at the altar who was crying. And the counselor went over and simply said to her, she said, how can I pray for you? And she thought this little girl seemed very upset, and the child replied to the counselor. She said, I'm just overwhelmed at the fact that God would call girls, that God would call girls to preach and to teach. But it wasn't until this little girl saw Lori on the stage that she was able to to, um, mirror the calling that she was feeling and see it being acted out. Lori O'Day makes her point, and she says, experience imprints indelible lessons. If people do not have the opportunity to experience a woman's leadership, they will likely avoid it or worse, condemn it. So where does that take us in mentoring the next generation of female leaders? I think it takes us to opening up a flow in the pipeline for women. It's helping us to change cultural norms. We have to break down biases that hinder women. So having more female leaders will create health and wholeness in leadership. The KPMG issued their women's leadership study, which revealed concrete conclusions supporting the benefits of early mentoring for women. They quoted, a woman's perception of leadership begins not with collegiate academic success her first big break or when she's named to a position of power. The trajectory to female leadership starts much earlier and is defined by key influences throughout life. The study identified several components to developing and creating a pipeline of the next generation of female leaders, including how these women were socialized to leadership growing up. Another area that they looked at, they explored their self-perceptions growing up and uncovered characteristics that were associated with leadership. In other words, the study said that 
It envisioned the need for awareness and development of female leaders to begin early in young girls. Thus, the conference of girls that where Lori O'Day is speaking to them, awareness that girls can do this, that girls can communicate in this way. It said in the magazine article, imagine a young girl. So think about this with me today as I read this. Imagine a young girl. Perhaps she's a daughter, she's a niece, or a girl down the street. She's smart, she is ambitious, and she believes in herself and her abilities. From a young age, she has a desire to lead, to inspire others to greatness. She wants to surpass expectations, to better the world. Yet, as she grows up, two elements will affect her ability to lead, confidence and connections. I'll say that again. There are two, two elements that will affect her ability to lead well, confidence and connections. Throughout her life, she either will receive what she needs to build these two key components of leadership, or she won't. And that's what we're talking about today, friends. Women want to lead, but something often holds them back. So it's our job to develop young girls and train other women to mentor, to coach, to serve as role models, to, to remain imperative. This remains imperative for creating the pipeline for next generation female leaders. Leadership doesn't stand alone. A path to leadership has to exist. And that's what we do here at Women Who Lead, at Roar Conference, at The Collective Journey. We are trying to develop healthy and whole leaders who are receiving resources and guidance along the way. And we're trying to incorporate the four foundations to improve health and wholeness of personal leadership development of understanding the power of your story, of developing your skill sets, and developing a powerful network. You see, our desire at Women Who Lead is to open the pipeline for women, to celebrate them, to recognize them, and to reward them for what they are doing to change the world around them. It's all about influence for us. It's not about platform and applause, but it's about how you're influencing the world around you. How are you influencing the world around you, my friend? Have you been kind of stuck in a rut? Well, maybe it's time for you to seek out a mentor. Maybe it's time for you to develop a network. And I would start with asking myself to develop in developing a network, um, who do I admire? Who, is, who are my heroes? Who is mentoring me? Who would I love to mentor me? Who am I mentoring and coaching? How am I pouring into the next generation? Who are those people in your life that are holding you accountable? And who is that inner circle? Who's your Peter, James, and John? Who are those people who you don't care if they see you cry? or if you're a wreck, or if you're struggling. Look, here's what we know here at Women Who Lead. Here's what I know from personal experience in my leadership journey. 
women grow stronger through being together. And this proves especially true when women connect intergenerationally and learn from one another. Closing the gaps in generational leadership really relies on us successfully being bridge builders and passing the baton of leadership. Because if the baton drops, gaps will appear in leadership and women will suffer from a lack of leadership development. But when we identify and mentor female leaders who are satisfied in their calling, belong to a meaningful network and community where we can share our stories and create change, where we can seek leadership development, here's what I know. We're going to enhance the pipeline. It's going to be a strong pipeline. It's going to be a large pipeline filled with capable female leaders. So my friend, I'm cheering you on today. I hope you've enjoyed my little talk on mentoring the next generation of female leaders. And I hope you've taken something from it today that will help you in your life and leadership journey. God just wants us to be a better version of ourselves. He wants you to flourish, my friend. And that means you're going to need to take care of the inner self. You're going to have to connect to the, the story of your past, the story of your present, and the story of your future. You're going to have to learn your skill sets a little more and develop a powerful network of women who will cheer you on. So I'm cheering you on here today at Women Who Lead, and we hope that your day is blessed. We hope that you go and you are a Zaire wherever God has planted you. God bless you, my friend. Have a great day.